To all the people who are out there listening to Deja Vu, I just want to let you know that you can find us on Spotify, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, you can find us on Google Podcasts, something I didn't know existed, but our producer is very busy. Um, and if you're only listening to it, at this point you're making a huge mistake because we're also a video podcast. And as a couple of goons, a uh, rotating slot of goons, doesn't matter, a lot of goons, we get up to some weird stuff. So you can watch our Halloween episode where I put on a dog mask, our Sabrina episode where there's some spooky lighting and I'm wearing a spider, that kind of thing. It's a lot of animal-based humor. If you're into animals, watch our show. That's the message I'm trying to leave you with. Anyway, thank you so much for watching, listening, whatever it is you're doing. We really appreciate it. Hello and welcome to Deja Vu, the Ithacan's weekly review podcast. I'm your host, Princess Jake Leary, and I'm here today with Antonio Fermi and Liam Conway. We're going to talk about Ralph Breaks the Internet, which I forget the name of constantly. I keep calling it Wreck-It Ralph 2. Didn't realize that Wreck-It Ralph is nowhere in the title of this movie, and it trips me up every time. I just thought you should know that because I'm going to say it wrong constantly. Um, as you may have guessed by that long, unnecessary rant I just gave, this is the sequel to 2012's Wreck-It Ralph about video game characters with really charming personalities. Um, and this one extends that a little bit further and introduces the idea of the internet into an arcade world. Um, and Antonio, you've been tasked with summarizing this right. as quickly as you can. All right, so pretty much in this movie, uh, Vanellope's game is broken. Uh, these, they broke the steering wheel and there's apparently only one replacement part on the entire internet, which is on eBay. So Ralph and Vanellope have to travel into the internet and try and get the steering wheel to save her game. And when they're in the internet, they run into a whole bunch of shenanigans and the movie goes off from there. Um, that's really about it. You know, very simple narrative to this movie. Um, and it really focuses on a lot of the pop culture and internet references. Uh, lots of Snapchat, lots of Instagram, lots of Twitter. And uh, that's, that's yeah. where we are, yeah. And, and just to be clear, uh, Ralph is the villain in a Donkey Kong-style game. Right. Who is in the first one, obviously, Wreck-It Ralph title right. character. And then Vanellope is the person he befriends, right. who is a kart racer character yeah. in a game called Sugar Rush, which is all pretty and flowery and candy-filled, uh, which is not her personality at all. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, you've been very adamant about talking about the box office for this movie. And I think we're going to start there before we launch fully into a discussion of what this thing is and why I think I like it more than both of you do. Well, that's a first. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh you guys are uh, in for a world. Threw, yeah, okay. All right. Well, this movie made about $56.2 million domestically this weekend, and I think it's at about $192 million worldwide. Um, so it was first this weekend it beat Creed. I think Creed was only like $33 million this weekend domestically. So... It, it brought in a good amount of money. I think it's like just tracking behind Moana, so that's about how it's doing right now. So it, it's a pretty big success for Disney. Yeah. Um, and I think it will continue to have long legs throughout the holiday season until you know December 21st, where there's like 10 blockbusters coming out. Uh, so yeah. I, I think it will do well. Yeah. And this is the Disney November release. This right. is the one that has the broad family appeal. Mm -hmm. um, which I think what Coco last year. Yeah, it was Coco, Moana. and then Moana was 2016. Yeah, two years yeah. before. Um, so it fits nicely right. into that niche. Um, except this is a kid's movie. Like, this is very clearly a kid's movie. Yeah, it has it's very two, clearly a kid's movie. It is, but there are some real interesting themes going on towards the end. Uh, and I think that's what I respond to most with this. I love this movie. Like, we're going to not... I'm not beating around the bush. I love this movie. 
I updated my letterbox to have this as like number two for my year. Um, yeah, guys, this is I think what's the number one. Uh, sorry to bother you. Okay. Uh. Followed closely by Mamma Mia 2, Here We Go Again, and Peter Rabbit. So in case you think I have good taste, just let that speak for itself. He doesn't. No, yeah. I really don't. Um, no, I, I, I love this movie um, for the subject it deals with. And that's really surprising second. knowing your taste, because I feel like you wouldn't like this movie because of all the noise surrounding it. But what do you mean by noise? Like all the references and the Easter eggs. Because I can just see you complaining about it, but I'm surprised that you like it. I, I do. Um, I like this movie a lot. I don't really like the first half. Okay. Uh, because the first half is what you described, where right. it's this very simple Ralph saying, I broke this, I wrecked yeah. this, I, I need to I definitely felt that, because the first act was like, I did this, let's go do, and it was so simple, and it was like, all right, there, there's nothing really going on. It just felt, they didn't do a good job like getting into it, but once they like, got into the internet world, that's where the movie was really like its strongest part, when it was in like the internet, and there once are... they got there. There are interesting moments before, or at least what I, what I thought were interesting moments before with Vanellope, where mm -hmm. her world gets wrecked and she has no home because Ralph tried to help her out in a roundabout way, causing some problems. Right. Um, and she has to deal with not having a purpose anymore, which, one, oh boy, if you're a kid, that's a really horrifying existential idea to have to wrap your head around. It's a horrifying existential idea to wrap your head around now at this age. Um, but... I was surprised by that, and I thought, okay, this is an interesting thing. This is a little moment in this movie that'll be fairly standard. Um, and I, I thought of this like the first Wreck-It Ralph. I went into this assuming that I would feel the same way, which was, this is a good movie. This is a good video game movie. I'm never going to watch this again, but like, they did all right. Uh, and then as they go into the internet world, and we meet some of the other characters who exist there, um, they start digging into some really heavy themes like dealing with insecurity and how people grow or don't in relationships, um, which I never would have expected from, yeah. from this. And the trailer gives no indication of that whatsoever. They also, like, very high-key included the dark web, which that was the, one of the most surprising parts. They like, went to the dark web, and I was like, wow, they're in the dark web right now in a Disney movie. So that was, that was funny. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I enjoyed that bit. I yeah. wish there were some more jokes about the way the Internet works. And I think, I mean, I think some of the stuff they can't do because, like, you can't deal right. with the way adults use the internet in a movie meant for kids necessarily. I just felt like a lot of the times, because it's a kids' movie, they were like, oh, they're right there, and then they had kept like censor themselves. You know what I How mean? How do you mean? I feel like there were just more opportunities to tell jokes about the internet and certain platforms, but like we couldn't have necessarily seen that in this Disney movie because it's so like family friendly. I kind of disagree. Like, I think. The, like I, I don't know. I, I think, not the like, eas easily. I actually I love the first record, Ralph. Yeah. It's like one of my favorite animated movies like ever, and I think, like, this movie I think was really incredible for like the first two thirds of it, and by the end like that, I honestly barely even remember what happened at the end of the movie because I just felt it was so like just kind of like it was just I, I had seen it before like I felt like the first two-thirds were so different and then by the end it was like the virus comes and like and the it was big just boss. you compare it to Wonder Woman yeah that was a good, that was a good uh, analogy and yeah. funny enough Gal Gadot is actually in right. this movie as well but uh, yeah. it's like 
I just, it, I felt like I said the first two thirds were so strong, and then the third act was just like a big boss fight again, and See, I was like, all right. I have the complete opposite experience from both of you, like one hundred percent the inverse. Yeah, because we like the first two acts, and you like the. I like end. I like the second and third. Okay. Um, what I, specifically at the end, well, like, did you like, or can we? Do I'm we I'm, to... I'm going to work up to that. Okay. okay. Um, I want to talk about Shank first because that's I like the her first character. building block. Yeah. I wasn't expecting to like her character. I was like, oh, they're just using Gal Gadot because like she's an upcoming star and they want to use her. And I didn't really know what to expect from her, but I liked her. A lot more than I thought. I thought there were some very cool things that they did with the character. I don't want to go into spoilers or anything. Oh, no, we, we, we're spoiling everything. We're spoiling. Yeah, oh, so, okay. No, she's um, like another racer in a right. GTA Mad Max yeah, slash, kind of type of game. Yeah. Uh, slaughter Race. Slaughter Race. <laughs> slaughter Race. Right. Which, if you think that's the polar opposite of Sugar Rush, you're correct, and that's the point. Yeah. Um, because Ralph and Penelope go in there at one point to steal some loot. Uh, <laughs> to get money, and they encounter her, uh, and Vanellope and her become friends. And that's the first thing I really like about this. You give, you complicate Ralph and Vanellope's friendship by introducing somebody else, uh, and having Ralph have to reckon with that. That was a really indirect pun, but that I'm was a very proud of I'm, myself yes, for it. Yes, that was good. Uh, guys, I think I'm a very smart person deep down somewhere <laughs> inside, and it's just blocked by all of the garbage parts of my brain <laughs> that say, hey, you know what would be a great idea? Let's buy a princess costume uh, meant for children. <laughs> It says infant on the package for this to give you an idea how hard this so was to get. So you nailed it. I mean, you're wearing it very well. I didn't want to wear pants, but I couldn't, I couldn't take the basic instinct joke that far, uh, and I don't think we would have been allowed on YouTube. Anyway, moving back to what I was saying before <laughs> about me not flashing the camera. Um, yeah, no, I really like Shank a lot. I like that she exists as that opposite force for Vanellope, and then I like that they're supporting each other. You know, right. I like that Vanellope's struggle in this is finding a home for herself that's comfortable, but also finding a place that challenges her, Yeah, which is what Slaughter Race ultimately becomes. And I like how Shank's character wasn't trying to oppose Ralph. She was more like, and she even said in the movie, like, this is your decision, and Vanellope had to solve those problems by herself rather than, you know, taking, like, Shank against Ralph. It was Vanellope against herself and realizing what she really wanted, well, which I think was a really interesting element. That's a strong point. Like, when I yeah. when you meet Shank, I fully expected, like, okay, she's going to be nice for now, and then later yep. she's going to become the bad guy. And, like, I really appreciated how, like, she's just another part of the puzzle type thing, yep. and she doesn't force... She doesn't served her role purpose, uh, perfectly. It was, yeah. it was great. And, like, yeah, I... Oh, God, I don't want to... Um, do it. Whatever you're thinking, just no, do it. No, no, because we're going to talk about other stuff later, and I don't want to, like... Okay, you're preserving the integrity of the show. Yeah. I retract my statement. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> no, but, like, by the... I really... I liked everything in the dark web, and I liked how the virus man is, like, a slug man and that stuff. That was cool. And, like, all of that is really great. But I... Like I said, I just thought... By the end, I was, like... This is just nothing for me now. Like when they're, I don't, literally don't remember what's happening. I seem to vaguely recall like a, some kind of vortex or something. And they're like, I don't know. I just remember like a lot of loud noise and being like, I just don't care about this at all. And then I do agree with you in some way, Jake, that by the end of it, it's still 
it ends with a good character moment between Ralph and between Vanellope, and it's very like emotionally moving, I think, and like, so that's great. But like, sorry, I, I don't want to like move move away from what you were talking about more towards the beginning of the film. But like, well, anyway. I mean, even even getting to that point, because I wanted to talk about Shank, because the reason part of the reason I like this movie is because of the way her character functions, and because she's not evil. Yeah, you know, she is. That would have, that would have really ruined it. I and, think, and that would have been very typical. Right. Um, this movie isn't interested in doing the standard. These two friends are going to go through this thing to get this item, and they're going to face this villain who is secretly, you know, or this person. They're going to meet this person who's secretly evil. It doesn't happen with Shank. It doesn't happen with Yes. It doesn't happen with the Disney princesses, which we'll talk about later. Hmm. The villain of this movie is Ralph. You know, the first yeah. movie asks. And I, I'm quoting myself here. You can read my review on Ground Punch where I start it this way. But the first movie is about can a bad guy be good? And that's what Wreck-It Ralph is. That's the concept. This movie is can a good guy be bad? Which is, personally, way more interesting and way harder to way talk harder, about. Well, not even harder to talk about, just harder to deal with. Because most of us are good guys. Or you know, we And we're, we relate to good guys more. You know what I mean? So and it's more of a relatable thing. It, well, it is because Ralph is. Ralph does some really bad things in this movie. Um, but he, with good like intentions. That's yeah, the but thing. he does bad things, and it doesn't matter that he has good intentions. Right. And they don't forgive him for that. Uh, he is jealous of Shank. He can't let Vanellope go because Vanellope is the only person he has in his life. Like he has other friends. He has. Fix-It Felix, you know, the other person in his game, and the other arcade characters. But, like, Vanellope is the person and the reason he got out of that hole in the beginning, like the darkness in the first movie, and actually had a place. So the idea of losing her is very hard to him. Uh, and he, for the sake of preserving his relationship, does bad things. And that's something that happens a lot in actual relationships. You know, insecurity, insecurity and jealousy and, like, psychological abuse is something that can happen even if somebody loves somebody else like it doesn't make it okay yeah you know it doesn't make it good and that's what this movie is about that's so strange you know um and even then they don't come down one way or the other like it's vanellope's choice to forgive ralph you know that's that's the other side of this movie um i think shank you know, talks to her at one point and says, yeah, you have to make this choice. Yeah. You know, you have to do this. Best friends don't need to share the same dream. Um, and she gets mad at Ralph, and rightfully so, but, like, doesn't ever have to forgive him for being bad. Well, I like that Ralph also, he doesn't really ever argue, like, oh, but I had good intentions. Like, he fails, and then he says, well, I'm just going to continue to work harder and try and, like, make this better. I feel like there is not, maybe I'm wrong, but you look skeptical, Jake. That's fine. But anyway, like I feel like he he doesn't ever sit there and like complain, like oh, like but I tried, like sorry, I tried, but like I'm gonna give up now. Like he doesn't give up. Like he keeps trying and keeps going even when he fails constantly. Yeah, he's like, we came here to fix your game, and that's what we're gonna right. do. And he kept to that, which is a really good part. And I I thought one of the strongest parts of the movies was his actions. Like, it, they, you know, it was a course of events. Like, he did something, and there was an effect after that. And, you know, sometimes with these kind of movies, you kind of lose a sense of, oh, something will happen, and you'll forget about it later. But now this movie, something happened, and as a result of that, 
this happened. And I really like that where, you know, your actions, you know, they mean something. Yeah. No, and again, that's the other part of this movie. Because, right. um, yeah, Ralph is the catalyst for everything yes, that happens. pretty he, much. And he's he the catalyst. He causes everything. Yeah. He yeah. causes everything, and he causes everything because he's trying... To do something good, and as a result, he does a lot of bad things. Yes. Um, and in the beginning, we see him, you know, wreck Vanellope's game by trying to make it more interesting for her, which she wants. Um, and that's, like, a positive thing because he's trying to help her. But as the movie goes on, you see him doing positive <laughs> things for Vanellope for his own benefit. You know, he's not... And this is, yeah, this is the other side of this that I like a lot, too, where you'll see people, and this is a constant, like, philosophical debate, if you're doing good things for yourself or for somebody else. Um, and a lot of the things that Ralph does, his motivation in this movie is self-serving. He is trying to get that wheel back so he can maintain the status quo and, like, doesn't want things to change. Uh, and it isn't until the end when he accepts that she is going to leave no matter what that change happens. You know, it, it comes as a result of him, but it also, he's also the force resisting it. Um, and, and now that we're at the end, like, this movie really messed me up in a way that I don't think any other movie this year has. Really? Yeah. Um, it really upset me in like a good way. Like it's the reaction I want to have to a movie. I'm not the person, like the type of person who cries on public transport, but the T-Cat ride back from the movie theater <laughs> was rough. <laughs> it was a <laughs> rough time. I oh, There are so many people on that bus who were very concerned for my well-being, I'm sure. And then when um, they asked, why are you crying? I just saw I just Rick, Rick and Ralph. Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, like I... I <laughs> Genuinely bad emotional things have happened in the last year. Nothing has gotten me like Wreck-It Ralph has. Um, because I, I really responded to the idea of, oh, this good person did a bad thing and acknowledged it and moved on, you know? Um, like his friendship. Which is all you can is. do, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I, like a lot of... He only had 24 hours to do what he had to do, which was get that wheel from eBay, you know? Well, S no. He only had 24 hours to let his friend go off and do what she needed to do. That's true. Yeah. That's true. See, again, See, this is yeah, the, that's good. This is where I come down on it. Like the first half of this movie is a normal Disney fetch quest movie, um, and then the second half says, "No, none of this actually. This is important, but this is not what this is about, and we're actively going to subvert that." Um, which is what the second half then becomes, you know, and and that really got me. And then the moment where they say goodbye to each other, you know, because that's the that is the true Ralph accepting. Yeah. What happens? Where he's waving and then she's waving yeah. and he's waving and then she's gone. Yeah. And, and he's standing you, there. That's what I was. Yeah. yeah. I, I was very confused, but I understood eventually. <laughs> um, it was a sweet moment. It it was a sweet moment, and I felt it was deserved given everything else that happened. Um, again, really destroyed. And, and it could have fell apart if the whole movie didn't get, do a good job, because that movie or that moment could come off as cheesy yeah. if the whole movie didn't lead up to that. But because they did a good job with that. I thought it was a, a yeah. good moment. Yeah, this is a movie about relationships. And they stay true to that the entire time. Um, and that really did catch me off guard. Like, that really did affect me. Uh, in a way, again, I never would have expected. But <laughs> because if we keep talking about this, I will start crying on this podcast. And I have sworn never to do that. We're going to go and talk about, like, the more <laughs> fun side of it, which we kind of skirted around. There's a really interesting section in this movie where Disney pulls out all the stops and references everything everything <laughs> that they own which at this point is everything, everything. <laughs> yes um, so the monopoly board yep we're gonna go and we're gonna talk about those references 
Okay, so we touched on this a little bit in the first half, uh, but the other big part of this movie is its references because they are in the internet, and the internet is everything and has <laughs> everything. So it gave Disney a chance to, you know, show the Google building and also include all of their princesses. Um, I'm going to start with you, Liam, because you specially requested this and I think have a specific take on it that I want to hear. I'm glad you're going to start with me because I was really hoping you would. Um, I think, like I said, like the first two-thirds of this film are like easily my favorite part. And I think that's because I, like I really, I'm interested in scale and I, I love that I felt they really captured the scale of the internet. I mean, it's like incredibly vast and overwhelming and every little thing that they do is so true to what the internet is. But even outside of that, they still stay true to the roots of the first Wreck-It Ralph film where they're referencing video games. And like, for me, like as a huge GTA fan, when they go into, what's the game? Slaughter Race. Slaughter Race. Oh, yeah. And you see the two like, player characters walk into the like shack and they're like they walk and then they like stop and they walk I like that was just awesome to me like everything in Slaughter Race was just so true to video game experiences that I myself have had it was like just just like the first Wreck-It Ralph film like the video game stuff is so strong and on top of that, then they add the other layer of the internet and gaming on the internet. And I also really appreciated, like, a lot of people were concerned when the trailer came out that they were going to just make the internet Disney. But <laughs> but it's not. Like, Disney shows a lot of things that In their they, own don't, app. they yeah. don't own, though. I mean, like they, like, they show Google and they show Snapchat and they show all these properties. Like, there's Amazon and there's... I really appreciated that it didn't feel like they were censoring the internet to just show things that Disney was not in direct competition with yeah. because they just put it all out there. Like there are companies and that are occupying the same market space as Disney and they sh still represent them. And I just, I loved like the pop-up ads and stuff like that. that and I great. loved how stuff like even the princesses, they're not, just there as a reference like they are important parts of the story and like I love how like they're like how could we play video games to make money and Ralph's like oh we're gonna go to this pop-up ad guy and everyone in the audience like you're watching it going Ralph you idiot like yeah. you know you can't trust pop-up ads like it's it's great because the viewers knowledge like of the internet going into the film informs you about things that happen that the characters are clueless yeah, about. It's, it's a fish out of water story, but everybody else is very familiar with the world. You know, everybody else, you know, we all use the internet. We understand how it yeah. works. So when Ralph is trying to figure out what e-boy means, we know what he means, and it's funny. Um, because there's, I think that counts as dramatic irony. Does that, does that sound right by all of our ninth grade high school English yeah. education? Yeah. Cool. Dramatic irony. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and I agree with that. Like, it does feel appropriately large um, and doesn't feel entirely Disney until we get into Disney World basically with the internet like that feels natural because they say we're going to a fan website yeah. and they go to ohmydisney.com like it's not it's not like hey the internet just is Disney it's like it felt very natural to me and also later I want to touch on the comments section thing and the YouTube oh, stuff but we'll talk 
I want to talk yeah. about this. I, I want to yes, I want to talk about the princess scene, the prison scene. Very different. Oh <laughs> totally boy, because uh, wow. clearly, I'm invested in the princess part of this movie, uh, as an avid Disney princess fan. Um, I am on the record on this podcast not liking references to things in pretty much anything we've ever talked about. Listen to Ready Player One uh, if you want to hear me spew a, a half an hour of hatred. But I love this. I love this moment in the movie um, because, in part, it's important for Vanellope. It like develops her character uh, because she sees she's able to give guidance to other people the same way Shank gives guidance to her. Um, and two, it's Disney poking fun at itself. Like there's commentary on the main, like the major flaws with Disney's portrayal of women and you know specifically the princess characters, and that stems back to like old timey fairy tales. Yeah, even like their movies, like The Little Mermaid. They're like, oh, like why would you do that? Like, you'd get, yeah. like sacrifice that. Like they were just shitting on everything. It was great because like it was just like, I don't know. I felt like it was a very good way to put that and. I think they're all the original voice actors, right? Oh, I, I'm pretty I'm sure. The wrong or, or at least the ones that actually are within reason. Within reason, right? Yeah. yeah. Snow White, yeah, you know, 1940s, probably right. not going to be the <laughs> person. Um, <coughs> yeah, no, it, it's a natural extension of those characters. Uh, it's a good bit of satire on those characters and the broader problems with them. Because if you look at Disney princesses as characters, there's a lot of gross stuff going on there that doesn't take a critical eye to see. It's out there, yeah. you know. All of Little Mermaid is gross. The entire concept of that movie is really, is socially unpleasant. Um, and I would recommend reading things about that because we're running out of time and I don't want to shortchange it any more than I already am. Um, yeah, no, like these are references with purpose. Like they, they mean something and they matter and it's not just a throwaway. And that's something that I was again blown away by. I think that's the moment I really started caring about this movie. Uh, unfortunately, we are out of time. Uh, you guys will get a chance to plug yourself. I will be back in a second to um, scream into the void and potentially cry. But until the next time you're on, where can people find you? Uh, I'm Antonio Fermi, and you can find me writing for the Ithacan movie reviews and features and all that good stuff. And you can find me on Twitter at Antonio underscore Fermi. Uh, I'm Liam Conway. Uh, you can find me writing for the Ithacan, and you can find me on Instagram at that guitar bro. I love that that's a bit more or less between you and our producer Nick, um, but you you deliver it like there's a lot of people watching, and I really respect that, Liam. I really do. Um, thank you for both being on. We're winding down in the semester. We just have another two weeks to go, so I don't know if you'll both be back. But I appreciate you sitting here and listening to me almost cry about this movie. Keep watching. We got one more little segment coming up uh, that I think you'll want to see. Okay, we're going to wrap this show up with just me talking directly into the camera um, and really driving home why I care so much about this movie. Uh, and not only that, but like why I think this is such an important movie and arguably one of the more important movies this year. Uh, there is the obvious surface level angle that this is a movie about the internet and how to exist on the internet and how to filter out some of the bad of the internet. And that's definitely important, but that's not the most important thing. Um, you can watch eighth, gr eighth grade if you want to see the real reason 
or the real a real examination of that. Uh, I think this movie is really important because you have a discussion of relationships that's very complicated and very deep and very unpleasant at times, but it's directed at kids. Um, and I was obviously taken aback by it. I was obviously very moved by it. But the thing I didn't expect is that I felt like I learned some things about myself through it, which really sounds after school especially, but like that's what this movie does, and it does it well. Um, the movie goes out of its way to say that you can be friends with somebody um, no matter where they are, no matter what their situation is, if you want to be. But if you don't, you're under no obligation to do it. And I think that's something that's very important for people to know, that like you're never obligated to be in a relationship, be it a friendship or a marital relationship or like a more casual relationship. You don't owe anyone anything. And you should do things for other people you care about, but as long as it doesn't come at the cost of something that matters to you. And that's heavy. That's heavy. That's something I still need to learn. And I've been around for 20 years. You know, you have kids who are eight years old watching this movie. And that's something that I think is kind of profound. Um, wrapped up in a movie where, you know, a giant gorilla man buys a magic worm from a slug guy. Like, it's, it's a very strange hidden message in what would otherwise be a very whimsical kids comedy. Um, so if you get the chance, please watch this movie. It is so much more than you could ever think it would be, and so much more than the marketing lets on. And with that oddly sentimental note for this goon show where I'm wearing a cape and a tiara, if you're not watching the video, check us out on YouTube, um, that's it. I already let our guests go and thank them again for coming on. And if you can, please subscribe to our show. Please listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere else you get podcasts. Maybe there's an exception to that. But our producers done a good job of covering us. Uh, I encourage you very highly to watch the video of this show. Um, because if you are, you understand what I'm saying. I'm standing up here in an infant's Elsa costume uh, with a $2 party city crown. And I look amazing. But you wouldn't know that if you don't watch the video. So please, so many people work on this and work very hard. Check us out on YouTube, Deja Vu. Uh, for the show, I'm Jake Leary. Thank you for watching, listening, whatever you're doing.